I want to talk to you today about how to completely, totally, and unconditionally surrender to Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Mark 10, 28 through 30. Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age Houses, brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Peter basically says, Lord, we left everything to follow you. We have left everything to follow you. Jesus said, everyone who leaves everything to follow me has got it. They understand how to approach me, what it really means to come to me. And that they have surrendered everything to me. And I want you to know this, Peter. There's not a single person who's done that who won't be rewarded. Not just in this life, but in the life to come. That's what really matters is in the life to come. Jesus wants you to get your focus on his end, his outcome. You can't come to God halfway. That's not the way it works. You can't come to Christ with part of your life. You must come to him with all of your life. Peter was basically saying, we have taken every aspect of our lives and we've surrendered it to your lordship, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, that's the way to come, Peter. That's the way it's done. There was a man named Hiro Onada who was the last officer to surrender during World War II. He was a Japanese intelligence officer. And in 1944, he was stationed at the Philippines island of Lubong, And uh, he set himself up there, did his job for the Japanese army during World War II. And he found himself as the Americans were beginning to take over and the Allied forces were beginning to uh, advance towards victory. Uh, His army kept going deeper into the woods, into the jungles. That's where they found protection and they were able to stay alive and keep going. Well, this guy, he would not quit. In fact, he got there in 1944, he went into the jungles, and he would not surrender. In 1945, the Japanese government actually officially surrendered, but back during that day, they didn't have a a lot of communication devices, no cell phones, stuff like that, so it was hard to get word to everyone. So he just kept fighting, kept defending his territory. He thought the war was still going on. It got so bad that they dropped leaflets from airplanes so that People like him, because there were more than just one, people like him would get these leaflets and they said, look, the war's over. Japanese uh, has surrendered and you can come out now. You can stop fighting. But when he got the leaflets, he didn't believe it. He wouldn't let go. He wouldn't stop believing that the Japanese could win. Finally, he was one of the last holdouts, indeed the last holdout. They even dropped letters from his family and pictures from his family, but he wouldn't believe it. He stayed in the jungle. Listen to this. He held out in the Philippine jungle for 29 years. And although, yes, I said 29 years, although the battle was decided in 1945, he didn't leave the jungle until 1974. Now, this is where I'm supposed to tell you about how strong he was, how brave he was, how he didn't give in. He he just he held on. He was firm and he would not quit. But the truth is, he wasted the best part of his life fighting for a battle that had already been decided. The world had moved on. 
There was peace, prosperity, there was hope. His generation had married, they had children, they had careers, they were learning, growing, they were living. He was in the jungle fighting for a battle that had already been decided. He just wouldn't surrender, he wouldn't let it go. And and in some ways we can understand because sometimes it's hard to just really let go of the way we want things to turn out, isn't it? We have our own opinions about how it's supposed to turn out. And we don't really want to totally and unconditionally surrender. We were taught early on that we're supposed to fight, hold on, don't quit. And, And yes, sometimes these attitudes are good. Like if it's about your marriage, yes, hold on, fight, don't quit. If it's about your health, yes, hold on, fight, don't quit. But when it comes to coming to Jesus, you must surrender to him, amen? That's not the way you approach Christ, by holding on to what you want and and your way of doing things and your idea of how life is supposed to turn out. you got to come to him and say, Jesus, I am laying down every area of my life and every aspect of my life to you. I completely and I totally surrender to you. Most people have their own idea how they want things to turn out and they want control of their lives and they're not willing to let go. Their theme song is, I did it my way. They want to get to the end of their life and say, I did it my way. Can I tell you, Christian, that song is not your theme song. You can sing it, you can like it, but your theme song should be, I let go of my way and I totally surrendered to God's way. Amen. Hallelujah. There are many people who are trying to control how things turn out when they're supposed to turn control over to Jesus. They like to keep Jesus behind the scenes, you know, just in case I need him. They've got that uh, Jesus take the wheel mentality that I'm going to drive Jesus, but if I get in a little trouble, I'm going to move over and let you take the wheel. That's not how it's supposed to go. You're supposed to change seats. Jesus is supposed to be driving all the time. Even when things are good, he's supposed to be in control of your life. Can you say amen? Peter and the disciples didn't just include Jesus in their lives. They didn't add him to their lives as a source of power. They didn't add him to help achieve their own dreams and hopes. No, they traded everything they had for him. They left their own plans. They left their dreams. They left their ideas behind so that they could totally and unconditionally surrender to him. Years ago, I had a uh, some people at church that uh, I felt God was leading and they felt God was leading him into levels of ministry and areas of ministry. And, and one of the things the Holy Spirit had directed me to say to them was that it was time for them to begin to release control of their own lives and quit, quit trying to make your own dreams come true and learn what God's plan is for your life and go into that plan. But you know what? They couldn't receive that. They couldn't, they couldn't receive that. They rejected it because they just couldn't surrender. They were wandering around in the jungles of their own will deciding you know what I I am determined I know how it's supposed to turn out and I'm just not gonna let go either God's gonna help me get what I want or I'm gonna go do it on my own Peter and them were completely and totally surrendered to Jesus. I came to tell somebody, it's not that you add Jesus to your life. You don't bring him into your plan. Jesus is not your therapist for when you're emotionally down. He's not your loan officer for when you're broke. He's not your marriage counselor for when you're having marriage problems. He's not your pain pill for when you're in pain. No, Jesus doesn't exist to just help you with your plan. He is not standing by in case you need 
need a little help achieving your outcome. No, Jesus doesn't want to help. He wants to take over somebody. Jesus is not someone that you partner with. He's somebody that you wave the white flag to and you surrender to. Jesus, I'm giving it all to you. Every bit of my life belongs to you. Come and take over. Somebody say amen. Matthew 13, 45 through 46 says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. You catch the power of that story. He had been seeking all over. And when he finally found the one thing, the one precious thing, he was willing to trade everything he had just to have it. You see, surrender to Jesus is that you find him so amazing, so good, so powerful, so everything that you've ever dreamed or wanted. You find him to be everything that you've ever wanted so much that you're willing to trade everything else to have him. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender gladly. Not because he's bossy and I'm afraid of him. No, but because he loves me. And he's shown me his love and he's demonstrated to me that if I surrender to him, all to him, my life will be what it's supposed to be. But if you want to surrender to Jesus, it's got to be total surrender. We live compartmentalized lives. We've got our, we've got our church life and our work life and our home life. And, and we have different ways of relating and acting and living during those different times. And, and I can prove it to you. Some of you on Facebook, you're in your work life when you get on Facebook and post and you forget that some people from your church life are on there. And later on you go, whoops, I shouldn't have posted that because pastor saw it. You, you forgot you got another compartment and you crossed them over, right? Let me prove it to you another way. Some of you work in customer service and the way you talk at home is different than when you answer the phone. It's like, yo, what you want? That's home talk. When you're at work, hello, how can I help you? Right? You got a different way of relating to the world. We have these compartmentalized lives and what we do is a lot of Christians put God in his own little compartment. I'm going to add a compartment to my life. It's the spiritual part. And on Sundays, I'm going to address that for a couple hours. And then after that, I'm going to go back to the other parts of my life. But I want to tell you today that you will never have a complete and a whole life as long as you keep Jesus in a room over here or you keep him out of certain rooms in your life. Amen. He wants to be Lord of all. One of my favorite shows is The Office. I love that show. And uh, Michael is the manager of The Office. And there's one episode where Jim is a salesman and he works up a plan to become a manager as well. And they end up being what they call co-managers. They're both managers at the same office. And so uh, Michael is in charge of the big picture stuff, and Jim's supposed to be in charge of the day-to-day stuff. And as the story goes, it gets to be a big mess because they argue over what's day-to-day and what's big picture. The point of the whole thing is that you can't have two people in charge of the same office. It just can't be. Even if you try to make compartments and you say, this is your area and this is my area, it just doesn't work out. And some of you got a mess because you've given Jesus a part of your life. There's these little areas that you allow Christ to be in charge of, but you've got your own areas you keep running and you get into a mess because oftentimes you're going left when God is trying to take you right. And, and you're struggling over here, but you won't let go over there. 
And what God wants you to do is surrender every area of your life. Total surrender means all of me, Jesus, I'm given to you. All of me, Jesus, I'm given to you. You ever start working on a church board or working in leadership at church? One of the things you'll find out is the last thing most people give to Jesus is their money. Woo! Oh, pastor's talking about money. Yeah, you bet I am. The Bible talks about money, and you know what it mostly talks about? How that if you love it too much, it'll take control of your life and mess things up. Not only that, but God's plan for your life is to, to, to financially take care of you has to do with you being obedient with his money. Amen. And, and giving it and investing it and not hoarding it. There's a lot of things that money talks about. But what you'll find is that people start by giving, giving their heart to Jesus. I love him. I want him to save me. Then slowly different aspects of their life they give to Jesus. And some people finally, it's like the, 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 you know, God's pulling on the check and they're just holding on because they don't want to let go. It's just an example of how many people have certain areas of their life they just won't let go of they say God I'm going to give you this but I'm going to be in charge of this as long as you do that you will be halfway whole by the spirit I came to tell somebody your home is not whole your body is not whole your mind is not whole your finances are not whole your marriage is not whole your life is not whole because you've only given a part of yourself over to Jesus I want to ask you today, what are you holding back from God? What room in your life have you got locked up and you say, Jesus, don't go in there. That belongs to me. What area of your life are you decided that this is mine and I don't want God to have control of this? But if you want to come to Jesus, you've got to surrender totally. If you want to come to Jesus, you've got to surrender unconditionally. Unconditional means you don't get a say in how anything turns out. I came to tell you that the way you come to Jesus is you say, Jesus, whatever you want, however you want it to turn out, whichever way you want it to go is what I want. That's what I want. I pick what you want. Amen. I pick what you want. I was watching the Spurs last night and before the game, they were showing little clips of interviews with the players. And the question they were asking the players is if you're going to take a girl out on a Valentine's Day date movie, what movie do you go see? And all of the younger guys were saying, uh, I, would, I would take her to go see The Notebook. I would take her to go see uh, Pretty Woman. They were picking all these movies. But the veterans, they said this, you go see whatever movie that lady wants to go see. They know, don't they? How do you come to Jesus? You say, Jesus, whatever you want to do is okay by me. Whatever you want to do is okay by me. Whatever way you want to take me is okay by me. I want you to know this. God's way is not your way. And sometimes his way is hard. We look at our life and we say, Jesus, I can see there's a path to take me to where I want to go. And it's so easy if we just go that way. And no, we're going this way, son. We're going this way. But that way looks so hard. Why would we go that way? Well, because God takes you the hard way because he's trying to make you strong. Come on. God wants to take you the hard way so you can learn some lessons, so you can go through some stuff in your life. The reason that many of you are going through things right now is because God is stretching your faith. He's helping you come to a place where you don't freak out when trouble comes. You don't let go of your faith, but you learn to trust in him. And just like Joseph said, a victory is coming your way. And as you hold on to faith, 
God is going to build your spiritual muscle so that you can face bigger demons, bigger battles, bigger problems in your life and do more for Jesus. Come on. God wants to take you the hard way. I know you want to go the easy way. I'd like to do push-ups where every half of it was on the way down. That's the easy part. I don't like the coming up part. If we could just go down all the time, it would be great. But it is the pushing up part that actually makes you strong. Somebody's getting this today. Somebody's getting it today. The way that God has for you is often the long way. It takes you longer than you want, and there's two reasons for that. One is that it makes you patient. It's funny, as we watch kids and we help raise the grandkids, we raise our own kids, one of the things you notice is that they have to learn that life is like this. You very rarely get what you want when you want it. And there's a reason for that. This is number two, is that you're not ready for it. When we were kids, there was a show on TV called Starsky and Hutch, and they had this cool car. And, and my parents bought a car that kind of looked like that car. And my brother was like, I'm going to get that car. That's going to be my car. And we go, well, the, the thing is, the car got sold long before we got ready to drive it. Come on. If my mom and dad would have given us that car when we were 10 and 12 years old or whatever, it would have been a big mess, wouldn't it? Some of you acting like God's supposed to give you your new car and he's trying to tell you you're not ready to drive. You should thank me for taking the long way because if I gave you what you wanted now, your head would explode. You'd make a mess of everything. Come on. If I gave you the relationship you wanted now, you'd just mess it up because you're not ready. We're going to take the long road. If I gave you the career you wanted, you'd just mess it up because you're not ready. We're going to take the long road. And in the process, I'm going to prepare you to receive what I've got for you. Come on, somebody. Yes, we've got to be patient. We've got to say, Lord, your way. I'm trusting you. I'm believing in you. I'm going to go the way you want me to go, his way and his destination. This is where we really have a problem because we want the outcome to be what I want it to be. But we've got to say, Lord, whatever you want is okay with me. You see, the Bible promises us in Jeremiah 29, 11 that God's got a good plan for us. It's a good one. Here's the problem is like most of us, we think of our lives in terms of birth to death. And, and if we don't achieve certain things in that period of time, we've missed out. Like we've got a bucket list. But I don't have a bucket list because God doesn't look at our lives that way. In fact, most of what he's concerned about is long after this life. Amen. It's called eternity. And that's where we're going to spend most of our existence is in eternity. And God will trust trade your today on earth so that you will have an eternity in heaven. Did you hear me? God sees the big picture in mind and his outcome is better than yours. Oh, first Corinthians two, nine says we haven't even begun to think or dream about the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Let me tell you something. You think you know what is good for you. You don't know what's good for you. God knows what's good for you. You think you know what you want. You don't even know what you want. God knows what you want, but you're going to have to let God take you there on his own time and his own way. Can you say amen? Oh, you got to trust Jesus. Listen, Jesus is uniquely positioned in every area of your life because he sees things that you don't see. He knows things that you don't know. He has power that you don't have so that in your marriage, in your finances, in your career, in your body, in your ministry, whatever area of life that you're in, Jesus is uniquely positioned to take you to the best, most wonderful outcome. Can you say amen? Now, if Jesus can make everything in your life turn out better to him, 
If his plan is better than yours, if his outcome is better than yours, if everything about his way of doing things is better than yours, then why in the world do we refuse to surrender to him? Well, it's because, number one, we have control issues. This is my life, and I'm going to live it my way. And I want to tell you something. You have a choice to make that choice. God gave you that ability. You can say, my way, my will. The problem with that is now you've got to save yourself. And I know enough about you to make that null and void. Let alone what Christ knows about you to make that null and void. You see, God wants you to believe in Jesus and totally surrender to him. But you want control. It's got to be my fun. Some of you won't let go because you, you're still having fun. I'm going to steal. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to spend my money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with my people. I'm going to date who I want. I'm going to do what I want. My fun, my way. Some people are still in control. It's got to turn out the way I want it. You still look at God as, as this genie in a bottle and you want to rub on him at church and expect him to give you three wishes and then you go home and do whatever you want. But God is not your genie. He is king. Amen. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And most of all, it's got to turn out the way you want it. It's got to be exactly how you want it to turn out. Lord, I've had a dream. I've wanted it to be this way all of my life. But coming to Jesus and surrendering is saying, I'm going to let go of the way I expected it to turn out. And however God wants it to turn out is okay by me. Amen. That's easy to say until you have a family member who's sick or you have a situation that's difficult. You might lose everything you ever owned and, and you just don't know why God don't fix everything the way you want it fixed and you don't know why God don't heal somebody that you want to be healed. But I want you to know that when you get to heaven and you know as you're known and, and, and the questions are over and it all makes sense, you're going to be glad that you let God do what God wanted to do. Amen? And you've just got to have faith in that today. Many of you today, you just won't let go because of control. And it comes down to this. It's really about trust. You don't really trust him. Mm-hmm. You know, me and my wife, I usually drive. Sometimes she drives. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't always drive well. That's just a nice way of putting it. But uh, I can tell when she gets nervous because she grabs the door handle. <laughs> she's like, she's like, whoo, whoo. And... Uh, She's, on, she's not always cool with me being in control. It's a little nerve-wracking. Okay. And, and I'll be honest with you, when she drives, I'm not always cool with it either. I'm like, I wish I had a break over here. I wish I, I, wish I had some control over here. And, 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 you know, it's like there's a lack of trust because we know there's limitations. We're just human. Everybody can make a mistake and get in a wreck. And we'd like for, if somebody's going to make a mistake, I'd rather it be me uh, being behind the wheel. I trust myself, right, more than anyone else. The problem is we don't trust Jesus completely. We say we do, but if we really did, we'd let go. We'd fall asleep. Remember when you were a kid? Now, when I was a kid and my parents drove, I wasn't nervous at all because I didn't know any better. I just trusted them. 
I didn't have all these experiences to taint my trust. And so I just, I just relaxed. I could sleep. I could just enjoy and have fun. I wasn't watching the road or worried about anything. And God wants you to approach him with a level of trust where it doesn't matter how fast you're going or what the weather's like on the outside or whether somebody's tailgating you. You're just relaxed and at peace in Christ, surrendered to his goodness and his will. All things are working together for the good of those that love the Lord. Lord, is somebody with me today? Hallelujah. We got to trust him. You know why you don't trust him? Because you don't know the depths of his knowledge and power. You don't really know the depths of how much he knows and how powerful he is. How that he can do anything. He can take care of anything. Yes, if you in your spirit know the depths of his knowledge and power, you'd know there's not a situation he can't get you through. There's not a, a, a thing he can't help you overcome. There's not a problem he can't solve. Amen. I look at the life of, of Lazarus and he had uh, died and was put in the tomb and, and everybody was saying, Jesus, it's too late. If you'd have just been here as if death was a line Jesus couldn't cross. Some of us, you got lines that you think Jesus can't cross. And I came to tell you today, God can do anything. He can raise the dead. He can raise whatever he wants to raise, do whatever he wants to do. It is never too late with him. Amen. You don't know the depths of his knowledge and power. You don't trust him because you don't know the depths of his victory. Some of you today, you're fighting like there's still a battle. When the battle has really already been won. And yes, there is a battle. And I want to tell you what the battle is. The battle is this. It is simply to believe that the battle's already been won. Woo! That's good stuff. Hallelujah. My job is not to be so strong and so powerful and do so good that I whip the devil. No, Jesus already whipped the devil. And all the devil has against you is to lie to you and tell you that ain't true. And then he's going to try to get you to function in your own strength and in your own power. Then you're going to make some dumb decision out of fear. And you're going to screw your own life up and he's going to walk away laughing at you the whole time. When what your job to do when you fight the enemy is this, to believe what God already said. Hallelujah. I've been given power over all the power of the enemy. Hallelujah. Today, I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. My job today is to let the devil and everybody else know that I believe I've already surrendered. I got the leaflet that came from the sky that told me Jesus already won the battle. I'm putting my weapons down and I'm only fighting in my mind. Hallelujah. It is my job to believe. You don't trust him because you don't know the depths of his victory. You think you're still Struggling, you think the outcome is still yet to be determined, and the truth is the only way that that's true is if you doubt what God says about your life. But if you believe, there's nothing that can change that. The Bible says, if two agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. Now, listen, if you agree with the word of God, that means you agreed with God. And if you agree with God, there ain't a devil in hell or in a circumstance come your way that can stop what God has said coming about in your life. Hallelujah. And if God promised a resurrection in your life and it died and it's four days later, he can show up on your scene, roll the stone away and bring that dead back to life. Can you say amen? You don't trust him because you don't know the depth of his victory and you don't trust him because you don't know the depth of his love. You don't know how much he loves you. Think about my own kids and grandkids, how that I would give my life without hesitation for any one of them. 
And then I'm reminded of what Jesus said. You being evil, you people who, who aren't really good, you love your kids to that level. Think how much God loves you. Hallelujah. How much does he really love you? Does he love me more than you and I'm more blessed than you and that's why I'm up here and you're out there? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. Come on. How much does he love you? He loves you so much that he sent his only son to suffer the worst death the world has ever known so that you'd have an opportunity to surrender to him. So that you'd have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, wave the white flag and say, God, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I've got the message, Lord, the battle's over, and I'm going to receive what Christ has for my life. So in closing, I want to tell you today that it's time to let go. It's time to surrender. He wrote, Onada left the jungles in 1974. What a waste of his life. He wasted his life struggling over a battle that had already been decided. He could have got married. He could have had kids. He could have started a career. He could have made some wonderful things come true in his life. He could have done some wonderful things. Instead, he held on to an outcome that he hoped would come to pass. Instead of believing that there was something better for him. I don't want you as a child of God wandering through the jungles of your own will. Determined that it's going to turn out your way. It's going to happen the way you want. It's going to be what you want. It's got to come how I want it to go and the way that I want it to go. Only to find out that you've wasted your life when you could have just turned it over to Jesus. All to Jesus. I surrender. Come on. Some of you are getting this today. You're waving the white flag in your spirit and you're saying, God, I'm giving my kids to you. I've been trying to control. I've been trying to make sure they do what, what I want. I've been pushing. I've been nagging. It's not doing a bit of good. All to Jesus now. I surrender my kids to Jesus. Some of you about your finances, you've been determined that it's going to be your way, your career, your plan. And today you're getting it. You're saying all to Jesus. My finances, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. I'm letting you be the Lord of my finances and my money. Of your health, some of you are saying it's going to be the way I want it to be. I'm determined to make it turn out the way I want it to turn out. But you're getting it today. All to Jesus. My health, I surrender to him. My health, I surrender to him. All to Jesus. My career, my ministry. You know, I used to have an idea of how things were going to turn out for my ministry. But you know what? All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. It belongs to him today. I'm waving the white flag to Christ. All to Jesus I surrender. You know why? Because I'm beginning to understand the depths of his knowledge and power. I'm beginning to understand the depths of his victory. I'm beginning to trust in the depths of his love for my life. I know he's got a good plan for me and he's got a good plan for you.